From Humber College, in association with the Etobicoke Philharmonic Orchestra, my name is Mark Whale, and this is the Music Listening Project. Today, we are going to be listening to Schumann's Piano Concerto in A minor. This is the work that the Etobicoke Philharmonic Orchestra is going to be playing on March the 22nd. And with me to listen to the concerto, I'm very honoured to have our soloist, Mr. Arthur Oslins. Welcome, Arthur. Welcome, Mark. <laughs> Arthur is a fascinating person, and we are sitting here at Young and Eglinton in his apartment because his house is, at the moment, suffering some water damage, and his two wonderful grand pianos are in a different room to the one that we're in. So he has a he's actually is sitting in front of a piano at the moment. So we we might ask him later on to perform it. I should add, however, that Arthur apologizes for the piano that has, in fact, seen better days. And that whatever it might sound like, we are not sitting in a honky-tonk bar somewhere in the Midwest of the United States of America. So we're going to get straight on here and listen to the first movement of this concerto. And the recording I have chosen is a recording by Rudolf Serkin with Eugene Ormandy conducting and the Philadelphia Orchestra. And it was actually performed, Arthur, in 1946, which I think is a special year for you. Yes, that was the year I was born, actually. <laughs> Isn't that something? It yeah. is something. So let's have a listen to this. So tell me something about it. Well, he plays it wonderfully. Uh, I was impressed by his beginning because it's different the way I do it. But uh, I'm for me, it's a new concerto uh, at the age of 73 to learn something of this caliber and difficulty. But what struck me first, uh, he played pretty staccato, uh, those chords at the beginning. Especially the eighth notes were pretty staccato, but the last bit of eighth notes was more... I, I can show you? Yeah. And then those notes, the last few notes where he made a retard, it was uh, more legato and longer. But the theme, the way the orchestra played it, was beautiful, and also his rendition of the theme, this one. (laughs) 
So he phrased it and shaped it, which I liked. It was uh, like a singer, you know, singing it out beautifully. And of course, the example was at the beginning, the oboe playing. The oboe is the established uh, pattern uh, and the melodic way of speaking. And the uh, circuit uh, took it over an octave higher. Let's just hear him play that again, just the beginning. So the first was long, and then suddenly very staccato, sharp, and then again when the orchestra joins, it was nice and longer chord. So you're talking about ta da. Yes, that was It's interesting, isn't it? Because why do you think Shim begins like this? It's almost because it's this is almost an ending, isn't it? It's a final perfect cadence dum bam and then he begins yeah well the theme starts on a dominant uh, which is uh, the fifth chord like on an e and it's like a gunshot and suddenly it makes you start and uh, and it's jarring and so on it's like a nice fanfare introduction it it, it uh, calls people to attention so suddenly you know something is going to happen, and then suddenly this lovely theme. So it, it's sort of like <laughs> getting people to, Get, to attention. Yeah, bringing them together. Yeah, a fanfare type of... I love the way that the theme is built in almost three phrases of varying lengths. So you've got this da 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 and then I'm not going to be able to get up that high. And then you see, uh, the oboe ends on the dominant, but when I play later, I, 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 it's so it closes on the tonic where it's supposed to. But the first time, the oboe closes uh, on a half close, what they call, uh, you know, like a question. Okay, right. So, so that's when the you answer. play it, you end with that full close. Yes, the, 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 that's right. right. But the give and take of this theme, the breath, the space, I mean, it's a, it's a gorgeous theme. It has to be a gorgeous theme, right? Because 50%, 60% of the first movement is around this theme. Would yes, you say? yeah, that's right. Because And it goes in different keys, like... Now in major... So that theme, instead of being in A minor, it's now in a nice major, and it also occurs in the major of A. And so the strong. Right. That's, that's very interesting. He plays the first theme again in the minor. Can you play it once yeah. more in the minor? Uh, uh, when he plays it. Mm -hmm. 
So this is what Arthur's talking about, is the half close just there. Yes. Sorry, I have one more last thing to say. I love the way that Sirkin, where's the, the oboist, kind of rises. And Sirkin does that beautiful little almost diminuendo to that top. Oh, like. You... See, I roll that, but uh, he does. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty beautiful too. So there's different ways of uh, emoting and doing a theme. Uh, because you have the uh, possibility to do it that way. I don't think Schumann always marks the dynamics exactly. Yeah, I wonder what Clara did. <laughs> <laughs> well, they call this theme actually Clara's theme. Uh-huh. The, uh, the descending. Yeah, that's her theme. Apparently, uh, it's always a descending thing, like in the Schumann fantasy. So Clara is uh, Schumann's wife, who was a pianist who played the first or performed the first performance of this in, nine, in 1846, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Right, okay, that's interesting. So the descending theme is Clara's theme. Yes. So listen to the way that Sirkin goes up. Mm-hmm. So you were talking about, we were talking about this earlier, this idea of displacement, which you've mentioned as a theme going through this. Uh, So the idea, I guess, that a theme appears to start on the first beat of the bar or the second beat, but doesn't. So what happens here, like at first listening, you would think one, two, no, no. One, two, three, four. 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 Da, dee, da, da. But uh, he displays, he says, four. One, two, three, 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 one. Da, da, da. <laughs> and, and it's when it gets to the four, one, two, three, because it, it makes sense then. 
right? Because yes. the da da da, because we always are putting the emphasis on the first beat, the bar. So I could never work that out before. But I guess the effect, you know, forget the kind of like the technical aspect of what beat we're on. But the effect is a sense of uh, what off kilterness or yes, a little thing? bit like that. Yes, uh, but throughout uh, this whole concerto, uh, especially the last moment, he has even more of these episodes where everything is out for you know like fifty bars. Right, and uh, and finally, uh, one has to. It's actually very hard to perform that way because. Uh, it pulls back and forth, and you wonder, well, where is the main beat? Or what are we? But it, I guess it gives. A, it's it's not satisfying, uh, but it's uh, it makes a lilt or do something like that. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. So I like your distinction between not satisfying. So <laughs> <laughs> there is a kind of a sense of uh, well, even in, in this whole little bridge passage, you're calling, calling it. There's a sense yes. of urgency. Yes. Right. There's a sense of kind of moving forward which I guess contrasts with this beautiful, poised, spacious Clara's theme. Yes, that's we want true. Yeah. Call it that. Yes. One last thing to say, uh, well, maybe there's many things to say about this, but I was listening to this earlier and I was noticing how Schumann gives or divides the tune, the themes up between the piano and instruments in the orchestra. So you will sometimes be doubling your tune with a woodwind instrument or the strings, but sometimes the strings or the woodwinds will take over and then you will come in subtly and produce something else. Yeah, I guess... You see, uh, at that point, I just... Just sort of like uh, contrapuntal or arpeggio accompaniment, yeah. but then the theme is... Taken over and I wonder why. I wonder how he does that because he does it with incredible effect. I think because there is this real sense of unity between orchestra and piano, right? It's, it's not a like, real dialogue, I think, in yeah. a sense, yeah. And but then uh, after, then but then I take over. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that when when Arthur's singing, that's I think the. I wish part. I could sing better. No, you're singing beautifully. <laughs> if the Not like you. If you, you the orchestra do. gives up, you will be there. Oh, I can start. <laughs> so piano and strings are together. And the strings are by themselves. And then the yeah. Now the piano. And I love the bass in the piano. Yes. <laughs> and sometimes it's just a touch in the orchestra. Mm -hmm. 
Now the orchestra has a lot. these little chords those descending chords in the orchestra mm -hmm. Gorgeous, the way it almost stops. There's this moment of stillness. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then it picks up again. I'm not saying anything profound, but that there is an incredible... That's what I think he does so well in this, is he manages to get this tension between this space and stillness and then this movement forward. Mm -hmm. Now, of course... Uh after this section, the animato section, the clarinet takes over the theme and it becomes a little faster. in case you don't okay, want it. <laughs> yes, in case I'm getting bored. So, and again, you've got this lovely dividing up of the theme between the piano, the clarinet, and the strings. So you've got... Dun, dee, da, dun, dee, da, 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 dun. Right? Oh, you mean this part? And then... Yeah. But first it starts... But then it's a, a different theme. Now the oboe start da di 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 and so on, yeah. Oboe. Again, the clarinet. <laughs> it's a lovely exchange mm -hmm. between the oboe and the piano. 
at some point there is this wonderful bit. So before the, the kind of recapitulation, you have this incredibly reflective moment. And this is in major, right? A-flat major, yes. See, we have clarinet here almost always yeah. uh, talking with me, like sequence, sequential phrases. Do you think me? Schumann knew a clarinetist, maybe? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> So what key are we still in A flat here? Well, we are going to uh, we are now in B flat minor. And now we are going to go to D flat major. And this is all still a development, if you like, a variation of the... Yes, exactly, yeah. yes. Uh, that's what Schumann does. He morphs the theme or, or, or uh, sort of works, transforms it somewhat. But uh, it still all comes from that Clara theme. Right. And uh, this particular slow section, originally when this was conceived as a one-movement piece, as a fantasy, you know, this was the slow movement of it. Uh -huh. Yeah, because it's... So it's like... But, but when we play it in the other section... So this time it has transformed into so much mm -hmm. like a Largo. So Schumann originally conceived of this uh, first movement as a, a as a piece called fantasy, which he wanted, uh, you know, for people to perform, and the publishers would not accept it, or they said, "No, we want a concerto." And so then, four years later, he decided to slightly rewrite apparently the fantasy. No one ever found the manuscript for the fantasy. Uh, the original one. So, but they say that it's built on that through the letters that you read uh, by, by Clara and whatnot. And then he composed the last movement, which originally was named Rondo. And then he knew that he needed something in between. So it was a shorter movement, and it was called 
intermezzo, like an interlude, you know, sort of going from <laughs> one. And in the uh, second movement also, the one joining, it has part of the first movement. Right. And then me minor. This is at the end. Before yes, it goes of the intermezzo. Right. And then A major asserts itself. Okay, Arthur, before you go, we've been talking about key changes, but, you know, I'd, if we move into the last movement, you were talking about how often Schumann changes key within a particular passage, and I think it's just delightful if if you can yell out what key we're in, because then we can actually hear the keys. Let's see. Uh, supposedly, we start in E major, let's say. Now we go to F sharp minor. Now we go to A major. A major, but C major. <laughs> then the dominant of G major. And now this becomes the dominant of C major. Now we are in C. D minor. F major. F major, but now F minor. Then again, D flat, uh, completely new. E flat minor. Now we are going to modulate through several. <laughs> now in A major, tum, ta da da dum, pum.
Arthur, it's been a pleasure. And uh, I have to say that while he was doing all those arpeggios up and down and telling us the, the keys, he was negotiating the microphone wire at the same time. So quite a talent. Looking forward to playing this with you on March the 22nd. So am I. Uh, and, uh, you being the concert master, uh, you have uh, <laughs> quite a lot. Uh, strings are quite an essential part of in this concerto. They are, as we've been hearing. Thank you very much indeed. You've been listening to a Music Listening Project podcast with me, Mark Whale, and pianist Arthur Oslins. Arthur and I were listening to a 1946 recording of the Schumann Piano Concerto performed by Rudolf Serkin and conducted by Eugene Ormandy with the Philadelphia Orchestra. If you've enjoyed our discussion, please tune in to other episodes of the Music Listening Project on iTunes. Thank you.